Let's talk about custom project proposals. I'm sure everybody watching this has written some sort of estimate or proposal or quote or something in the past. So I think starting there makes a lot of sense because everyone's got some experience with it. But most people, at least most people I work with, they've never really learned how to do it. They kind of just winged it the first time and they keep on winging it. And, you know, it's maybe not that effective for them. So it's, it, it's just a great starting point um, to begin with writing project proposals. In today's lesson, I am going to go through my five-page proposal template. It's, it's usually about five pages long once you fill it out. It shouldn't be much longer, maybe six pages, but seven is probably too long. And it's just got six sections, and I'm going to go through each section here so you can kind of understand the nuances of each. The first section is just a cover letter, and uh, when you download the template for this, you'll see that it's got a fair amount of boilerplate, you know, like four or five paragraphs of boilerplate copy. I find that you don't have to modify this much from, from project to project, so, you know, might as well put it in there for you to use. Basically, you just thank the person for their time. You tell them what to expect on the following pages. You explain that the options are incremental and that they can pick, you know, whichever one suits their urgency and budget and timeline and so forth. Uh, I make a point of calling out that it's a quote, not an estimate, because that will set you apart from probably anybody else they're getting proposals from. And I underscore the fact that whatever price they pick, that is the final price. They aren't going to get nickel, nickel and dimed if it ends up taking longer. I talk about being a little bit strict about scope and, uh, and just say, um, you know, please review. And if you have any questions, I'll touch base, you know, on a particular date in the future so that you kind of set the expectation that you're going to be following up with them. The next section is the situation appraisal. And it's, it's got three subsections. And they shouldn't be very long, maybe three or four sentences each, you know, a solid paragraph or two each. Not that long. The, the first section is the, the client's current situation. This is the, their status quo. This is the situation that they're currently in. The next subsection in here is where they want to go, the desired future state, the desired outcome of this project. Uh, and then the third thing is why they reached out to you to help them make this transformation from their current state to their desired future state. And again, it should only be a, a few sentences for each of these subsections, so you'll end up basically with three paragraphs in the situation appraisal section. And they should be clear, like, like written in terms that aren't... Uh, that don't assume that the reader was on the phone call or in all of the conversations leading up to the situation. It should be, it should take the situation and just lay it out plain as day so a six-year-old could understand it if you read it to them. So very plain language, you know, your business is currently in this situation, you're stuck, um, you feel like you're going to, you're losing clients, um, you know, whatever, like your company does this, you've got this problem, and and then the next subsection, you're going to say, and what you want to do is expand into Europe or decrease your customer churn or uh, compete more strongly against Amazon or whatever the desired thing is. And then you'll say, and you reached out to me because our mutual friend let you know that I help companies who are in this situation and we had a conversation and decided that we'd be a good fit. So as requested, I'm providing this proposal. Um, yeah, so keep it simple really easy to understand. And again, keep in mind that the person who receives this might show it to people who were not on the phone call with you. So you want to include all the information 
for some complete outsider to, to read it and be like, oh, wow, yeah, I see the problem. I can see why you reached out to these people. So if I review your proposal, so you, the person who's watching this, if you write a proposal for someone else and I read it, I should understand what the situation is. Okay, so it shouldn't require any kind of um, inside insider information on the client's part to understand the situation appraisal. All right, now the next section is the project options. And this is, there's a lot going on here. Um, this is the meat of the proposal. Uh, so a couple of quick things. First of all, you should always have three options. Don't have two, don't have four, always have three. Three is magic, just do it. Under each option, you're going to have a short descriptive title, so it's easy to talk about in the future when you're perhaps negotiating uh, or going back and forth or answering questions. So have uh, a short descriptive title for each option, and then explain what you will do. You, you can explain some activities that you're going to undertake. You want it to be, again, simple, clear, clear language. These are the things I'm going to do. You want it to be as concrete as possible so they can envision working with you, what it will be like, what the process will be like. And it, not long, just a paragraph. I will do X, Y, and Z. And then you have underneath that uh, a headline that says features or deliverables or it depends on what you do, but something like that. And just have bullet points like anywhere from three to six bullet points of stuff you'll do or things you'll deliver. You'll get a PDF at the end or you know, we'll, you'll have these features or whatever the things are that were discussed and they're, you know, they're, they're features or deliverables or activities that you're going to undertake um, just so that they know that, you know, what they communicated to you was received and you understand that these are some things that are required for this particular option. But then more importantly, you're going to follow up with a subsection called benefits. And for each bullet that's in the features and deliverables section, you're going to have a bullet that explains why that thing matters to the business. So if, um, if one of the features and deliverables is I'm going to redesign your checkout form so that it has finger-friendly buttons on mobile, then in the benefits, you're going to have a bullet point that says so that, you know, you'll, they're not so that you think so that the, uh, you know, your, your, um, uh, drop-off rate, your card abandonment rate will be decreased on mobile. So like, so the, the feature or the, the uh, deliverable is finger-friendly buttons on mobile phones, and the benefit is that their, their um, uh, card abandonment rate on mobile will go down, or their click-through percentage will go, go up, or their uh, whatever calls to action that these finger-friendly buttons are doing will increase. So you take the features or deliverables and you convert them into business benefits. You're going to do X so that the business will be better in this way. All right. So benefits are super important here. This is the most important piece of each option is the business benefits of each uh, of each of the deliverable, deliverables or features. So then option two will be just like that, uh, but it will start off with a sentence. This option includes everything from option one plus I will, and then you follow the format from before. Uh, same with same with option three. This option includes everything from options one and two, plus I will, and then a paragraph of stuff you'll do, then features and deliverables, and then the business benefits. All right, so to reiterate, three options, incremental, focused on benefits, but include stuff you'll do and things you'll deliver so that they can 
so it's concrete in their mind. They can understand what's involved. They can picture what it would be like to engage with you at one of these different levels. So the next big section in the proposal is risks and assumptions. And this is where you list all of the things that could blow up in your face, whether it's, it's you know, maybe there's some third-party API that's not done yet, uh, so you want to call out that risk, or maybe you'll call it an assumption like uh, the interface doesn't need, or the white paper or whatever you're working on, doesn't need to be translated into uh, any other languages. It's just going to be in English, or something like, uh, if you're building a SaaS, you could say something like, and you know, the assumption is outside of normal user data protections, there's no special regulations or government regulations that apply to this data. Um, those sorts of things. If, if There could be things that the client could do to mess up the project that you're concerned about. So you put those in there too, like um, you know, timely access to key decision makers. Otherwise, you know, we won't hit this aggressive deadline. So whatever could blow up in your face listed here because during the project if something does blow up in your face at least you can say well we knew this was a risk we've got contingency plans in place and you don't look like and then you continue to look like an expert because you basically predicted that this could be a problem so instead of it something blowing up in your face and looking like you don't really know what you're doing you can call back and say well we knew this was possible it's too bad it happened but we know what to do because we've been you know planning for it or aware of it the next section is the why us section, which to be honest, uh, I consider optional if you're writing a proposal for someone you've already done work for. So if you've already done work for the client and this is like a new project, you, you might it might be weird and awkward to put this in there because it would feel like almost impersonal for you to put this in when they've already been working for you with you for two years. But definitely with new clients, you want to put this in. Even if they came to you, even if you are the go-to person in you know the whole wide world for this, whatever you do, you still want to put this in because this person might take the proposal and show it to people who do not know how famous you are, how, amaz how amazing you are at your thing. So you want to put in some basic bullet points about what, you know, like it could be stuff like awards you've won or experience you've got in their industry or, you know, successful results that you delivered for past clients sort of the greatest hits, highlight reel of why they might want to work with you or why you're a good fit for this particular project. And it can be, you know, I, I would say up to 10 bullet points. I'd start to, I'd start to stop. I'd start to stop. Um, when you get up to 10 or 12, it's getting a little much. Just pick the best ones. Keep it to like, I don't know, anywhere from 3 to like 10 maybe of the highlights of why this particular, why you are a particularly good fit to work on this project with this client. The last section is terms and conditions. And there's a lot going on here, so I'll break it down paragraph by paragraph. In the first paragraph, I just reiterate that this is a fixed price, not an hourly estimate. And that whatever number they pick is the number they're going to pay. Then in the next paragraph, I list out the prices for each option. You might have noticed I didn't put prices in the options section that we talked about previously, I separate them out. This is to prevent people from scanning the document really quickly and making a snap judgment. You know, they see dollar signs, they make a snap judgment based on the title of the option or something. They didn't really read it. They didn't really think about the benefits. I want them to be forced to actually read each of the options, really read as much of the proposal as I can get them to, 
to kind of uh, subvert that natural desire to quickly scan the document, look for numbers, and make a snap judgment. Uh, the, the paragraph after that, again, I'm hammering on these, uh, that these are fixed prices and not estimates, and that the, uh, and a couple of other things, that the fee needs to be paid in full in advance, 100% upfront, and at a start date and an expiration date. So there's a lot going on there. In one paragraph, it's all jammed together. So asking for 100% upfront, the benefit of that, which probably sounds crazy to most people listening to this, the idea of asking for you know thousands of dollars in advance of even starting, well, the idea here is to give you something to negotiate other than the prices. So if somebody objects to the 100% upfront, you can say, okay, well, what would work for you? And they'll usually say 50-50. And you say, okay, that works um, 50% upfront, 50% on some date, 30 or 45 or 60 days in the future. Uh, if that works, you know, great, we can move forward. Uh, the next thing is uh, a start date when you'd be, be available to start working. And then importantly, an expiration date for the proposal. Usually the way I write that is that this quote is good for 14 days from the date on page one in the cover letter, or you can put it however you want. But the idea is saying that it expires, put some pressure on them to actually make a decision. And then, you know, you can, if you need to follow up, if they go dark, if, you know, if they're dragging their feet, this gives you a reason to, or it sets the expectation that you're going to be following up with them over the course of those two weeks. And you can say things like, you know, hey, the, you know, haven't heard from you. The proposal, proposal expires on Friday. I can't guarantee availability or pricing after that date. So let me know if you want to move forward and those sorts of things. So you, you've got a reason to email them. And then if the date goes by, you can send them the magic email and say, well, I, you know, I, since I haven't heard from you on this, I assume your priorities have changed and just kind of give them that fear of missing out feeling to try and get them to, to sort of uh, break away from the status quo, actually take action and do, you know, do something. And then there's a, a, a paragraph after that in the terms and conditions section. Um, you might give uh, some guarantees. And guarantees is a topic unto itself. We can talk about that in Slack if you want to, but this is where you would put it. So, you know, if you want, if you want to offer a bug-free guarantee or some sort of, you know, no jargon guarantee or whatever the guarantee is, this is where you would put it. And then the rest of the terms and conditions section is basically um, all the information the client needs to move forward without even having to talk to you. So however you take payment, that is what would come next, whether you want them to check a box and, and send, uh, make a credit card payment at a URL or send you a check to an address or do an ACH deposit. You want them to receive the proposal and in this section be able to, to, to pay you. So uh, any information that's required there, I would put uh, at the end of the terms and conditions section. Your to-do for this lesson is to take an old proposal and rework it using this template to the extent that you can. Maybe you didn't have options before, maybe it wasn't fixed price before, but try for each section, each of the six sections in this five-page proposal template, fill in the section based on information from the past project. It could be one that, that you landed, it could be one that you didn't land, it doesn't matter. But take an old proposal and start to fill in the blanks in this new format using the old uh, information. Now don't go nuts with this because we're gonna be working on this proposal all week. So you don't, don't have to be perfect. Just start to fill in the information, create a draft, 
probably makes the most sense to make a Google Doc so you can share it with other people so that they can um, take a look at it, give you feedback, you know, me included. Um, Google Docs are a really good place to put it. You can share the link in Slack so people can review. Um, yeah, but don't, uh, uh, just so you know, don't go nuts in the project options or the pricing uh, because we're going to talk more in depth about specifically the project options and pricing uh, in upcoming lessons. So you don't have to go too crazy with that. Just fill in, just basically get yourself um, a head start on uh, your next homework assignments, which are going to be, you know, we're going to continue to rework this same proposal. So create a Google Doc, start to fill it in. And when you, when you feel like you've gone as far as you can, you're done. And we'll pick it up next time. Great. See you in Slack.